told you before, I didn't want you to read this crap. I never saw such rotten crap in my life. Where do you get this shit? Who sells it to you? <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to your horror podcast, home of all things sticky, nasty, and full of crap. I'm your host, Jared White, and this is The White Guy Dies First. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Oh, God! Oh, Jesus Christ! What do you want? I want to hear you scream. And your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. You gotta be fucking kidding. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Alright, hello everybody and welcome to the show. Uh, this is again, The White Guy Dies First. First. Sometimes I'll flub and say last, but believe me, I always mean first. Uh, welcome to the very first video game discussion that I'm having on this uh, podcast. Uh, before, we've only talked about movies, and this is my breakthrough uh, discussion about video games. And uh, if some terminology or some references go over your head, I do apologize. But, uh, you know, I think they're important for discussing this uh, this product, this thing that's been put in my lap to review uh, this is actually the second time that I'm recording this podcast because the first time I felt like I went a little too easy on the game and I did not uh, address all of my uh, problems with it. And uh, spoiler alert here, I have a lot of fucking problems with this game. Oh my god. Okay. So, basically, uh, and by the way, I'm going to try to keep that to a minimum. I noticed when I was listening back to it, I kept saying basically over and over and over again because I'm trying to simplify a video game experience to just an hour-long discussion. This is much different from uh, talking about a movie, which, you know, is only like an hour and a half, maybe three at the most. This game, I think, was probably about 14, something crazy like that. It took me more than a couple times to play it. Um... And I gotta tell you, the last couple times, I was not very excited to come back and play it. Uh, but hold on, let me, before I start talking about the negatives, let me cover the basics and some of the positives. So, this game was released in 2013 on the PlayStation 3, uh, last, last generation, because right now, as the as of the time of recording, the PlayStation 5 came out <laughs> last month. Um, so it's a fairly old game. It's seven years old at this point. It's made by uh, Naughty Dog Studios, uh, which is most famous, uh, I believe, for uh, Tomb Raider, uh, the Uncharted series. Let me just double check here. Naughty, Go Naughty Dog Games, they have done, um, ooh, Math Jam on the Apple II <laughs> in 1985. Uh, wow, that's a lot long. Yeah, they did Crash Bandicoot, uh, Jack and Daxter, Uncharted, Last of Us. Uh, so they've really just done about four main series, uh, striking all the way back to 1985. Uh, interesting. Ooh, they made Ski Crazed on the Apple II in 1986. Awesome. Awesome to the max. <laughs> I actually didn't know they went back so, uh, so far. So anyway, uh, they've, they've got some chops in the industry, uh, particularly with Crash Bandicoot. I never really played Crash Bandicoot myself, so I guess you could say this is kind of my breakthrough experience with them. Uh, it was published by Sony Computer Entertainment. This is sort of their main, um, Naughty Dog is sort of Sony's main, uh, in, uh, darling, uh, main industry standard sort of developer, uh, that they like to push out. Sony doesn't have a lot of exclusives, uh, but Naughty Dog, uh, definitely sticks straight to Sony. Uh, going back to the PlayStation 1 when Crash Bandicoot gave, uh, or tried to give, uh, Sonic and Mario a run for their money, 
Crash Bandicoot was about the closest thing that Sony ever got to a, a an official mascot, even though it's complicated because Sony was a electronics company way before they got into uh, video games, so people already knew, like, oh, the Sony Walkman, you know, that's sort of the first thing they thought about when they thought of Sony, but then they tried to do the video game thing. Anyway, so now The Last of Us is here, and it is a post-apocalyptic zombie-slash-infected video game where you take control of uh, two people, a guy and a gal, um, an older man named Joel and a younger lady named Ellie. And, uh, oh boy, there is so much to unpack there. Oh my god. Um, but uh, let me let me address the, the twist that they put on the, on the zombie formula. Uh, much like last week when I talked about 28 Days Later, uh, The Last of Us has uh, their zombies as infected, uh, but in this case it's a fungal infection that uh, I believe it's called the Cordyceps Brain inf- Infection, and it gets into your brain and it acts like uh, real-life mushrooms that affect certain insects, uh, mostly ants and grasshoppers, I believe, um, where it alters their behavior. And somebody heard that on some <laughs> fucked-up nature program and went, you know what? That sounds like a zombie thing. Oh my god, wouldn't it be awesome if we did that, but with people? Whoa! And instead of doing something interesting where, like, the fungus makes you stand on a rooftop with your dick out or something, <laughs> instead they just want to bite you like a standard zombie. Blah. Even an original concept like brain mushrooms, you know, zombie stuff gets their nasty little dirty fingers on it. Why do we really need that? It doesn't functionally matter that much. I mean, yes, it's kind of uh, visually interesting because uh, as as the uh, as the as the fungus gets through your head, it actually pushes out from your skull and makes your whole like face look like a big cauliflower mess. Uh, and if you are infected for a very, very long period of time, it actually sprouts all over your body and it turns you into what's called a bloater, which is a really big zombie uh, that can actually pull off parts of itself and fling it at you. <laughs> um, and the main way that you get infected from this is, of course, being bitten or, interestingly, uh, through spores. Once the... Uh, once the uh, shit comes out of your head, then that little, the mushroom thing starts to flake off and put out spores, and it actually gets on, like, the floor and stuff, and it's really kind of, it looks, uh, it reminds me a lot of, like, uh, the World Worlds movie, War of the Worlds movie, uh, the more recent one, uh, with, I believe it was Tom, was Tom Cruise in that? I think he was. Ugh, I'm not looking that up, I don't care. Uh, but there's that, there's that part where the aliens sort of terraform the planet and make it all bloody and gross, and uh, that's what these, uh, what the cordyceps of uh, fungus does. It makes these weird bloody tendrils and it mixes it in with the white nastiness of a dried mushroom. It, it does look quite good, um, but uh, it does sort of create this problem where, uh, you know, your character doesn't wear a mask all the time, much like all of our unfortunate dumbass colleagues here in the United States who are very adverse to wearing masks, even during a global pandemic. Uh, Joel, our main character here, only really wears a gas mask when he can directly see a giant spore cloud uh, that does he ever put on his gas mask. And I I found that really weird because it's like, how much of this shit do you really need to breathe in? Um, it seems like you would just be so paranoid that you would wear a gas mask all the time. Why risk it, you know? Uh, oh, if I... <laughs> 
You know, it's like if you're wandering into a building, you don't know how much of the spores are coming down from the ceiling. Is it like asbestos where you don't really see it and it gets into your body? You know, so that always messed with me. Uh, and what about on your clothes? You know, if you walk through this shit and you get it all on your fucking jacket, are you just going to dust yourself off real quick and then take the gas mask off? No, thanks. I'd rather go and jump in like a river to make it all get off. It's awful. Ugh. So that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um... But it, it does have sort of this effective introduction, uh, and I guess I should really talk about the story. No, you know what? I said I was going to talk about something positive first, and the story is not positive, so I will say that it does look very pretty uh, in some sections. Not all of it. Sometimes you are just wandering around these really boring office rooms that uh, have very <laughs> uh, uh, repetitious... Uh, uh, not artifacts, uh, what are they called? Very repetitious assets, that's what it is. There's, like, uh, at one point you go through a dorm room, and every single dorm room has the same sort of bed computer setup, and I guess you could say, oh, you know, all college dorm rooms look the same, haha, <laughs> but that seems like a kind of weak excuse to be a little copy-paste lazy. Um, but when you are outside, oftentimes you'll see, like, these big, expansive forests in the background, or big mountains, uh, and that looks great, and there's some water details that looks really good. Um, however, I don't know if this was present in the original PlayStation 3 release, because I actually played this in the uh, on the PlayStation 4 as the remastered edition, um, so the graphics have been noticeably upgraded, I believe. I really should look at screenshots from the original one, but meh, it doesn't really matter. I'm not a big graphics guy. It never really matters to me if something looks super re photorealistic or whatever. It's all about art style, you know? It doesn't matter if I can see the sweat dripping down someone's face. I don't care. <laughs> Give me something really visually cool. Give me something like Katamari Damacy that's really uh, colorful and pops really well and the art style's great. Um, I've been saying art style a lot. It's just, it's so important, I swear to God. Um, you can get away with a lot if you have a really eye-catching uh, visual flair. It doesn't matter if you don't have the most powerful graphics. So I've never really put a lot of stock into that sort of thing. Uh, we as a human race need to seriously get over things that look pretty. Who cares, really? Come on. So... Anyway, uh, it also came, uh, this version of The Last of Us came paired with a DLC campaign called Left Behind, and I didn't play that because I didn't really think it was necessary for this podcast, since, you know, I'm just re really here to talk about the main game. I've got so much to talk about with the main game that uh, discussing the DLC content is sort of out of the scope of this podcast, and I may come back to it at some point later, but uh, for right now, I just want to focus on the main story, which opens up with you uh, taking control of a little girl. Uh, it opens with you controlling a, a girl walking around her, her little home at night. Um, her name's Sarah, and she's actually uh, the daughter of Joel, who becomes our main character. And the introduction is essentially like the world going to shit. Uh, the virus or the fungus has um, spread throughout the cities and everything's going crazy and... Uh, once you're infected, you sort of turn you turn into what's called a runner, uh, which is essentially just a mad, you know, rage zombie that uh, tries to bite people, and uh, and you just see from a child's perspective the confusion and the 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 chaos uh, of being uh, like she gets loaded into the car and and her dad and uncle uh, Tommy. Uh, drive through the city trying to get away and you see people like uh like trying to escape like there's hitchhikers on the road and you don't stop for them and you you can look back and see them sort of like i don't think they get attacked they just sort of stand there hopelessly which is quite effective um 
But then you get into the main city and shit goes, you know, sideways. <laughs> and, uh, and Sarah eventually gets killed. Wow, gets killed by an army guy uh, who was basically instructed to kill anybody trying to flee the city. Uh, and Tommy, uh, her uncle, shoots the army guy. And Joel has to see his daughter die in his arms. Oh my god, wow, big, powerful, insightful, yeah, wow moment. Um, even though this sort of thing is happening all over the place right now. Like, everybody's getting fucked up. So I don't necessarily know why we're focusing exclusively on Sarah and Joel. I guess we have to start somewhere, but whatever. And then it has the gall, the absolute weird gall, to give us a title screen. It cuts to black after Sarah's died, and it says 20 years later. 20 goddamn years later. Are you fucking kidding me? That's crazy. Like, that is too much of a time skip for me. Like, I get that they really want to have this super uh, overgrown city look, that the cars have rusted out, the buildings have been destroyed, the dregs of humanity have gotten so bad and awful and oh my god, but, uh, mm. Mm -mm -mm. I, I can't say that I agree with that choice to make it too full decades later, because, come on guys, let's be real here, let's be really real. We would have killed all the zombies by this point, or everybody would have been infected, alright? Like, the whole planet would have been covered in a spore cloud, everybody, everybody would have died, but no, it's there's still quarantine zones, there's still uh, black market smugglers running around through the ruins of cities collecting stuff, shooting infected. I think they said at one point uh, there's like 60% of the whole world population has been infected. Um, and I, I have to say, I really don't get it, because how are some of these zombies living so long? Like, those bloaters, it's said that they've been infected for a very, very long time, but the the areas that you find some of these infected in are so out of the way, I just find myself thinking, how the fuck are they keeping themselves alive? Like, like, if more than half of the population is infected, how the fuck are they staying alive? They don't have enough people to eat. You know, they literally could eat the whole rest of the population, and there'd still be 20% of infected that didn't get a single bite. Come on! So, that really irritated me. Like, maybe they're using some sort of photosynthesis sort of thing, but mushrooms don't really do that, do they? I don't think so. Like, mushrooms live in dark caverns and stuff. They mostly subsist off of water. And humans, I, as I understand it, can't just live off water alone so that that kind of took me out of it whenever I would go into like a sewer or like some far away uh you know basement that hasn't been trod upon in nigh 10 years and there's a real lively infected just you know ready to rip you to shreds and overpower you I just find myself thinking what have you been eating it's been 20 goddamn years oh so anyway, Joel is noticeably older now. He's an older man, probably like mid-50s, early 60s. And he is partnered up with this uh, very interesting character named Tess, uh, who's also a black market smuggler person. And they eventually get tasked by uh, this leader of a terrorist organization called the Fireflies. Uh, they're sort of an organization that op op eh, opposes the military occupation of the United States and wants to, uh, I believe, somehow get society back on its on its feet and t and uh, get everything, get law and order back uh, in the high saddle. And uh, uh, the leader, Marlene, has this kid with her, this this 14-year-old girl named Ellie. And Ellie, it, as it turns out, is immune. She has been bitten, and uh, she has not turned as uh, into an infected. 
And from that point, it's uh, it's pretty much just a giant escort mission where Joel and Tess are tasked with taking Ellie to uh, another base that the Fireflies have that has a bunch of medical uh, stuff, medical equipment that uh, they would use to make a vaccine for the infection. I don't know if they really plan on uh, on curing any of the infected themselves. I think they're pretty much dead at this point. Like their minds have gone crazy. How do you how do you cure a giant mushroom eating your brain? <laughs> So it's mostly just to prevent them from being bitten and turning later, uh, which is a noble goal. Here you go. But the problem I have with this is that it means that Ellie, basically, no matter what she does, she is always in the right because she is quite clearly the Christ child savior of the whole world here. And uh, the <laughs> the things that they do in order to get to the Fireflies is quite uh problematic i would have to say um you know tess eventually is killed off uh, she gets bitten and she holds off the military in this last stand like oh it doesn't matter about me so you guys keep going and uh joel okay now it's now it's time for me to talk about joel joel is a fucking monster like he is so brutal in everything he does he kills people like it's nothing like like, is human life so cheap, so so easily destroyed, so invaluable in this post-apocalyptic world that Joel just murders people without question, without any sort of, like, he doesn't knock them out, he tortures people. He tortures people, he murders them for no reason. Even once he gets what he wants from people, he just flat out shoots them or stabs them or chokes them out. It's awful, 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 awful. And the game does not give you the option to knock people out or do a pacifist run or whatever. It's just, Joel is so unpleasant. And it's implied that, you know, he's had to do a lot of nasty things throughout the last 20 years and that he's become sort of this unfeeling beast. But there, if you're going to write a character like that, you really need to show us what lines they will not cross, you know? Otherwise, why does it even matter that it's Joel? Why am I not just following anybody, literally any of the other people in this whole world, any of the bandits or smugglers or cannibals or whatever? That, like, <laughs> okay, so there is a portion where uh, you do meet up with some cannibals, and it's sort of implied that Joel's, like, disgusted by this, but I never really got the impression that Joel would not resort to cannibalism if he had to. And that's what the cannibals say, like, you think we want to be cannibals? We don't have a choice. There's no food anywhere. It's been 20 years. All the food has been... Uh... <laughs> has been uh, uh, scavenged already, and we just we can't get out of this area, so what the fuck are we supposed to do? So, there's themes here that uh, are being addressed, but Joel never picks them up. Ever, ever, ever. Joel is one of the most silent, non-silent protagonists I've ever seen, because he doesn't allow himself to open up at all. At all to anything. Not at all. And this is probably the biggest part of the, the problem with the main story, is that Every time, every single fucking time that Ellie tries to get him to open up and talk about himself or just comment on something in the world, Joel just says, we don't have time for this, let's keep going, or I don't really know about that, let's keep going, or mm, I don't have time to mess around with such fool stuff, or I, not, I never got into that sort of thing. It's just like, dude, we get it, you're miserable, just... Have a pie, for God's sakes. Have some cake. Sing a song. Something. And every time that Ellie tries to sort of, like, break out of her own little uh, traumatized state and be a little bit more of a of an open and friendly kid, Joel immediately shuts her down or just has nothing to say. Mm. You know? 
So it's it's Ellie is a somewhat interesting character. You know, she tries little quirky things like teaching herself how to whistle, and eventually she does. Or she'll notice arcade games and say, "Oh, I used to play this a lot at uh, at the military camp I used to live at." Or like she'll question, like, "Oh, what did universities used to do? Oh, did you ever want to go to university, uh, Joel?" And he just really doesn't say anything. It's so boring. <laughs> it's so awful. And um, you know, I've. I really like, some of my favorite characters are sort of these, like, harder, grittier uh, male characters that have had a hard life. I mean, I really like Guts from Berserk. I really like uh, Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Those are very emotionally deadened characters because they've gone through a lot. They've seen a lot. And they don't really have the energy or the emotional vulnerability to open themselves up. But they still eventually do. Joel almost never does. Maybe at the very end of the game, he sort of starts saying, like, Yeah, you know, it's kind of sad that my daughter died. And that's about it. it the, the main crux of the game is dependent on Joel and Ellie's relationship. They really, really, really want to be somebody like, uh... Mm, like, it's sort of this mix between, uh... Like, they want to be Matty Ross and Rooster Cogburn and uh, Man and Boy from The Road, Cormac McCarthy's novel The Road. Uh, but it doesn't work because Man and Rooster Cogburn, while being emotionally dead, do have this instinctive sort of, like, line that they won't cross. Like, there's this clear separation between uh, where they exist as survivors and where the other sort of outside villains exist in their corrupt state. And I never really get the impression that Joel won't do awful, awful, awful things to survive. Uh, there's one point where this, this, uh, this, they get assaulted by this bandit camp and, uh, they're driving, Joel and Ellie are driving a truck and, uh, this guy staggers out of the rubble. He's got like his, his, his like hand gripped to his, uh, his chest and he's like, stop, stop. I've been hurt. Oh my God. And, uh, Joel keeps driving at him and Ellie goes, what are you doing? And he goes, it's a trap. And she goes, how do, how do you know that? And he says, because I've been on both ends. <laughs> and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. Like, Joel, so you've killed innocent. You've pretended to be injured to, to raid people. And, like, she even asks him, like, how many innocent people have you killed, Joel? And he just goes, hmm. And she goes, oh, that many, huh? Like, you don't want to talk about it. So it, it's... It just makes it really difficult for me to give a shit about Joel because why, what, what is being preserved here at all? Um, and it's, it's really weird because it's contrasted so well with, or Joel is, with other characters, side characters that are so much more interesting. I've already mentioned Tess. Uh, she even admits, like, Joel, we're shitty people, but maybe we can redeem ourselves by getting Ellie to the Fireflies and, and curing humanity. You know, maybe our lives will mean something. And that's, the, that's like the thing that you would expect the main character to say in, like, their sort of, like, big like, statement of purpose, their call to action, like, this is what I'm doing, but Joel just sort of gets bullied into doing uh, the right thing, even though he doesn't want to, um, and then eventually they meet up with this other guy, Bill, who's a paranoid survivor, uh, he helps Joel and Ellie, and by the way, Ellie's a real bitch to him, I have to say, Bill does not deserve Ellie's complete thrashing, she calls him, like, fatso, nerdo, uh, he's implied to be, like, gay, and she kind of bashes on him for that, so Ellie isn't exactly Little Miss Perfect either, so, like, she body shames Bill, even though he's, like, barely husky, and even if you are a little husky, what does it matter in this post-apocalyptic world? If you can find enough food to kind of put some fat on you, why not? God, Ellie. 
not all of us can be super thin supermodels. <laughs> Come on. It's almost like, uh, remember how, like, uh, well, supposedly in, like, uh, in, like, Renaissance England, if you were kind of, like, larger, like, King Henry, uh, then you were seen as, like, oh, you're, you're really, uh, like, wealthy. Like, you can afford to just, uh, eat a bunch. Like, that's really attractive. Damn. That guy's got some money. Whereas if you're a real thin, scrawny guy it's like oh that guy probably struggles to find food and he's got to work in the field all day Ugh, what a what a bland workman <laughs> so i, I kind of get the impression that it should be something like that um but whatever bill is really interesting he mutters to himself a lot uh there's this whole thing where his like partner it's, it's implied to be romantic partner uh his romantic partner sort of ran out on him and eventually they find him hanging in a house like he's been bitten and he killed himself and Bill goes through this big emotional, like, thing. Like, we find a note, uh, the, the guy's suicide note, basically calling Bill, like, a shithead. <laughs> and Bill reads it. Like, we give it to him, and he goes, Oh, damn it, Frank. You fucking asshole. <laughs> and I really like that. I, I'm invested in Bill and Frank's relationship, even though I didn't see any of it. Um... And then there's Tommy, uh, Joel's brother, who sets up uh, like this big camp in uh, in a, like a hydroelectric hydroelectric dam, and he gets remarried, and he sort of doesn't want anything to do with anything anymore. He just he's got his little family, and he wants to stay safe with it. He doesn't want to lose it all again. Um, and by the way, here's a line that I'm going to come back to later. So remember this. Uh, Joel gets to Tommy because Tommy uh, used to be a firefly and should know where they are, where their base of operations are. And, uh, and Joel says, hey, look, you got to take this girl off my hands and take her to the Fireflies. And Tommy says, no fucking way, man. I've got a family here right now. And Joel says, and remember this, he says, look, man, this is the key to saving the fucking human race here. And you're going to turn this down? Um, uh, <laughs> remember that. And, uh, and his brother reluctantly says, okay, fine, I'll help you. Uh, and then from there, we... Oh, wait, no, no, no. Earlier, I want to bring up two of my favorite characters, Henry and Sam. These are both brothers. Uh, we meet them in the ruins of, uh, I believe it's Pittsburgh. And uh, Henry's the older brother. Uh, he's like 20-something. And then there's Sam, who's like 14, about Ellie's age. And uh, it's really interesting because Sam is sort of this like, oh, like another spunky, quirky kid who kind of is like, you know, let me just be a kid, Henry. And Henry clearly has lost his parents or somebody close to him because he's hyper paranoid that Sam is going to get bitten or killed or raped or eaten or whatever, which I mean, how are you not paranoid in this sort of uh, world that's very akin to the road, but with zombies? Um <laughs> And, uh, and I really believe in Henry's anxiety. Maybe it's because I have a younger sibling myself who I'm v very protective of. Uh, but I, I really liked the relationship between Henry and Sam, particularly because Henry, again, allows himself to put his anxieties down and be fun. At one point, they sort of sit around a campfire and Henry says like, oh, man, you know what I miss most is like riding a Harley Davidson. Uh, motorcycles are fine, but it's specifically a Harley Davidson that just makes you feel, you, you know, you feel that engine between your legs. and Ah, oh, that that freedom of the open road. You never forget that feeling. It's so special. And when I was hearing that, I'm like, man, Joel, why don't you say something like this? Like, you're getting completely clowned on by this side character that we've known for, like, 20 minutes, and I care so much more about him than you. Yes, your daughter died at the beginning of the game, but, like, everybody's parents and daughters and friends and 60% of the population is dead, Joel. You do not have the capital on trauma, okay? You do not control that sort of segment. And, uh, speaking of trauma... <laughs> 
<laughs> Sam, the younger brother, eventually does get bitten. I don't exactly know when. Uh, there is one. At one point, uh, Henry and Ellie get trapped on one side of a door, and Joel and Sam get trapped on another side. Uh, it's like a grate comes down, and you can sense Henry's anxiety, his fear that something bad's going to happen to his brother. Like, he has a panic attack, basically. And, uh,. Eventually, you know, it's revealed that Sam, Sam actually has this really introspective speech uh, to Ellie. He asks her, you know, what are you afraid of? And she kind of tries to lighten the mood by joking around and not being seriously, being serious rather. And uh, she says, oh, you know, I guess being alone is my, is my big fear. And he goes, my big fear is those things out there, those, those infected. Do you think that they're still alive in there, in their minds or, or what? <laughs> Which is a really interesting question. Like, do they know, uh, like, like, are they aware of how the mushroom thing is controlling them? And Ellie says, no, like, uh, I've been, like, supposedly, like, they go to heaven. And Sam goes, do you, do you believe in that? And she goes, I, you know, I go back and forth sometimes. And Sam is, uh, during this time, he's bitten. He knows he's infected and he's going to die. So he's asking Ellie all these questions to sort of put his own mind at ease. Like, I'm going to die. Like, what the fuck do I even do? And that's so relatable because I can actually, you know, imagine myself if I had gotten bitten, the the stages of grief that I'd have to go through in like like a day. Because in a day, you tr you turn into one of the you know, one of the cordyceps zombies, and uh, and it's weird because I realize that Ellie cannot relate to him at all because she has been bitten and she is technically infected, but she maintains her own sanity so she cannot understand what Sam is going through and Sam eventually does change he attacks Ellie and Henry his brother has to shoot his own fucking brother and kill him and he he points a gun at Joel and Ellie and goes man fuck like we were okay before you guys came along why did it ha why did we have to take you guys in this is all your fucking fault and in a in a big sort of like dramatic moment, Henry turns the gun on himself and shoots himself in the head and then cut to black. And then it has a title card that says the next season fall uh, because we started the game in summer and it obviously it's going to take us through summer, uh, fall, winter, spring. And it does. And uh, and that's the end of summer. And, you know, I, I have a big problem with that because it's such a shocking moment that I want our characters to talk about it to, to sort of work out what's going on like I get that Joel's probably seen this a bunch of times but Ellie's the young impressionable she's the audience stand-in she's the person who is supposed to be our sort of person to see these events through she's the more innocent sort of outsider and she does try to talk about it only if you go to like the super special like behind like a secret area that's off the beaten path do you find a grave and uh, she comments like, oh, man, I wish I'd done a better job on their graves. Um, and Joel says, like, shut up. Like, let's not talk about it. Let's keep moving. And she goes, but Joel, I want to talk about it. Like, it's it's fucked up. And he just sort of goes, Ellie. And she goes, yeah, you're right. And I'm sitting here thinking, he's not right. What are you talking about? Like, we should have a campfire therapy session here. If not for Ellie's sake, then for my sake, because I need to talk about this. It is so upsetting and fucked up that they would do Henry so dirty like that. 
Oh, and one more little thing here that I have to say, uh, I'm actually editing this video and I want to come back and say a little note here, is that I am so disgusted that they would only introduce Henry and Sam just to kill them off, like they're nothing, like they only exist to give Ellie and Joel more character development, like what the fuck is that? They deserve so much better than that. It's It grosses me out that they literally just exist. These black characters are only killed off so that... <laughs> So that the white characters can be more nuanced and have, oh, a greater sense of trauma. That's so shitty, that's so cliched, that's so weak. Because they don't even treat it like it's an event that is that leaves, like, a mark on them, really. It's just sort of, like, it happens and they move on. Just having bad things happen to you doesn't matter if you don't talk about it and you don't work through it. And it's just, it's, it's, I hate that they only introduce them for that reason and that they only exist to make Joel and Ellie supposedly more nuanced. So fuck you game. Fuck you for making these interesting black characters just to kill them off for the benefit of the white characters. That sucks ass. God. And, and everybody that's around these two get totally fucked up. I mean, Tess dies, uh, uh, Henry, Sam, uh, Bill actually is one of the few characters that doesn't die. He just sort of tells them to fuck off. He tells like, get out of my, get out of my territory. And, uh, good for Bill. Good for Bill. Um, and then they meet up with Joel's brother, Tommy, and, uh. You know, I, I, I have a big problem. This is the thing, like, Joel and Ellie are supposed to be developing a bond here throughout the game. Like, over the over a course of a year, they're supposed to be, like, developing this sort of thing. Like, she's supposed to turn Joel out of this evil monster that he's become over the last 20 years. And clearly, she's supposed to be the stand-in redemption for his daughter. At one point, uh, Ellie even points this out to him, like, look, you know, I'm sorry that your daughter died. And Joel shuts her down, like... Man, you don't even fucking know what you're talking about. You don't know about loss. And I, I have to say, Joel, get the fuck off your pity party, man. Uh, Ellie even says, like, look, I've lost people, too. Everybody I've known has, lost, has died or uh, run away, but not you, man. Not you. And I'm thinking to myself, he he's tried to. He's tried to hand you off to his brother a couple times. So, uh it's I, I really don't understand where this bond comes from. I think there are uh, opportunities where you can initiate like optional bits of dialogue. Uh, and this is where it gets into sort of sticky wickets with video games because, you know, do I really criticize? Should I criticize a game for uh, not giving us great character development if I missed out on some optional character development personally for a game that is centering itself on the uh, on the bond between these characters, I feel like a lot of this sort of uh, optional stuff should not be optional. You know, when we walk by stuff, that Ellie and Joel should naturally sort of bring up things, talk about their grief. I mean, it, it comes off as very cynical. And I, I have to say, I don't like it, especially when it's paired with uh, with Joel's tendency to kill people. And the people that he kills aren't just zombies and stuff. They are smugglers and bandits who, yes, are doing bad things. Like, they admit to doing awful things, and we see them doing this. But uh, there's a lot of humanizing dialogue where it's it's like, oh, man, did you hear that the that the scavenger team that went into the, into the city never came back? Apparently, some crazy man and a young girl fucking murdered them all. And, and somebody goes like, oh my god, like, they killed Frank? Really? That was them? Well, fuck them then. I'm gonna get some revenge. And I think to myself, like, yeah, <laughs> like, that's, like, if you're, if it's, if, if you're the dregs of society and it really is like a battle of the fittest sort of thing, like, the biggest gang, the most ruthless people get to live, uh, even they form bonds with each other that, uh, that you read logs and stuff like, hey, man, Bob didn't come back today. Bob, no, Bob's been with us since the beginning. Um, 
and and it's like I understand that they want to humanize the the villains to the point where they don't just feel like cartoonish monsters. But if you're gonna have Joel brutalize them so hard, like he <sighs> he like stabs people, he shoots people in the head. Which, by the way, I have to say the the combat, the actual in-game combat, is not very good. The the aiming is sort of shit. It's always really hard to to hit people in the head, especially the uh, the infected or the zombies, because they flail around like madmen. Uh, so scoring a hit, headshot is really annoying. Um, but yeah, it's it's it comes off as like like at one point Ellie gets captured by this group of cannibals and Joel. Uh, he he manages to tie two of them up and basically torture fucks them. Uh, he stabs one guy in the knee, like the kneecap, and he says, "You know, if you don't tell me where the girl is, it's I'm popping it out." And the guy says, "Okay, okay, okay, okay. Oh my god, uh, I'll tell you where she is." And Joel puts the knife in his mouth and says, "Okay, point to point on the map on this map where she is. And if your buddy over there doesn't point to the same place, you're dog food." And he says, okay, fine. And he points to it with a knife. And uh, then Joel immediately goes behind him and fucking snaps his neck. The guy's tied to a chair and he just kills him. And the other captured guy says, what the fuck, man? Like, he gave you what you wanted. Why did you do that? And he says, because I believed him. Which makes no sense. And then he beats the other guy to death with a pipe. And it's just, I don't get enjoyment out of this. The Joel is not so much of a charismatic character and the villains aren't so evil that I can just relish in destroying them. Uh, like, yes, they're cannibals, but again, I'm sure Joel's eating a couple people. Come on. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Or at least he could justify it as like, well, we had to do it. Well, they had to do it too. Um, I mean, the leader of the cannibals is not very redeemable, Mr. David, who uh, who basically creeps on Ellie, and it's kind of implied that he like wants to rape her uh, and make her his pet, in, in the words of some of his group. Uh, and Ellie does get revenge on him by hacking his face off with a <laughs> with a machete, uh, which is justifiable completely. Uh, but it is gratuitous and over the top, and it affects Ellie quite negatively. And it's it, like she becomes way more quiet after that point. And uh, and Joel kind of tries to talk about it with her, but she doesn't do it. So it, it's just she's picking up so many negative qualities from him that it it feels like the best way to play the game is to not play the game. Um, and I guess this is a good point to speak about actually playing the game, which is, it's a lot of cover-based shooting. There's a lot of, um, you know, ducking behind cover, sneaking around people, because you have echolocation. That's the other thing. Pardon me. Uh, that's the other thing, is that the the uh, Cordyceps zombies supposedly have echolocation, where they, they make clicking sounds, and the clicking sounds reverberate and uh, tickle their tendrils, their mushroom thingies, and that's how they find food. And yet, that's not how echolocation works, or at least not the way that it's in gameplay, because if you don't move, the, the Cordyceps zombies will never find you, even though I'm pretty sure echo, echolocation doesn't depend on whether you're moving or not. It can just sense, like, uh, bumps and wrong vibrations. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm not the, uh, <laughs> the expert on, uh, echolocation that I think I am, but, um, Joel most certainly has echolocation because you can sort of go into this, like, super sensitive hearing mode, and it, it gives you, like, a silhouette of where, uh, bad guys are, and you can flank around them and fucking destroy them. Um, and it, it turns really into this sort of repetitive, like, you know, find out how the, uh, how the, how the bad guys are moving around the, the arena, sneak up behind them, shank them to death. You can stab them to death with a, with a fucking shank in the neck, uh, which is awful. Um, 
And the uh, and the zombies are just a standard affair. The runner zombies will run up and kind of hit you, which, by the way, I have to say is really funny. That One of my favorite deaths isn't when you get eaten. It's when <laughs> the zombies just use both fists and, like, slam on your face, which does not look like it should be fatal. It looks more like, uh, like a four-year-old's kind of throwing a temper tantrum, but... Uh, <laughs> It does make me laugh every time. Um, whereas the clickers, they are a one-hit kill. It doesn't matter uh, how much health you have. If they get close to you and bite you, you die. And um, and what's really weird is the bloaters, the the, the final stage of the of the cordyceps zombies. Uh, if they catch you, they like put their finger in your mouth and try to like rip your face off. Uh, but it never shows them ripping your face off. So it just sort of looks like he's playing dirty finger with you, which is uh, really funny. <laughs> um. But, you know, you get a lot of standard guns, you get uh, pistols, revolvers, shotguns, uh, a flamethrower really late in the game, so late that it kind of doesn't matter. Uh, there's standard exploration of just going into doors and picking up scrap metal and pills, and sometimes you'll find little bottles, well, actually, a lot of the times there's bottles everywhere. I was actually joking around with my sister uh, that there's so many beer bottles around here that, you know, somewhere there's a factory that's still producing beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, that's that's the one place the, the Cordyceps zombies didn't go because there's just hundreds of bottles littered everywhere. Even places like you wouldn't expect there to be beer bottles, like uh, like in the medical facility. They're just everywhere. I guess people are hitting the bottle <laughs> while doing, like, genetic testing and stuff. Ugh, good for you guys. <laughs> you know, in dedication, I'll take a little drink myself. <laughs> ah, goes down smooth. Mmm. I'm not going to say what I'm drinking here because that would be advertising. And I don't do that unless people pay me to do so. So fuck you, drink makers. Uh, anyway, sorry. I'm taking my aggression out on, on my poor innocent cup here. Uh, just like Joel takes his aggression out on anything that moves. <sighs> um, so, oh, and I wanted to say that uh, while the clickers and the zombies base, uh, could be, I almost said basically there, but I caught myself. While they could be any specific gender, like male or female, the uh, the bandits are always male. There are never, there's no women anywhere. Although, uh, in David's cannibal group, there is an interesting point where, uh, like, like Ellie's stalking around the camp, killing people. And at one point you hear this lady go, okay, oh my God, I'll, I'll pack the kids up and we'll, we'll get out of here. So it's, you know, it's implied that there's a, a community of women and children in these cannibal, in this cannibal group, uh, which is sort of kind of approaching nuance, but we never get to see them. Um, I think the only, the only other woman in this whole, no, there's two. There's three women in the whole game. <laughs> there's uh, there's Ellie, obviously. There's Tess who dies, and then there's the leader of the Fireflies, Marlene, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. Oh wait, yeah, of course, Sarah, uh, Joel's daughter, but she fucking dies. Um, but the band, you don't kill any female bandits, which I actually would have respected. Uh, that that I mean, if you're gonna go all the way and make it so unpleasant to play, you might as well just do that. Um, but I get it. I understand. Actually, I'm reading on the Wikipedia page here that uh, initially the, the zombies were only going to be female, uh, which uh, apparently some of the developers had a problem with. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, I, you see, that's the thing is I don't really want to say that there should have been female bandits that you could brutalize and kill. But the thing is, you take control of Ellie at some point, and she is just as violent as Joel. So there's a gender equal thing here of being awful human beings. Like when uh, when Ellie stabs someone, she stabs them with their uh, with her um, switchblade, and she stabs them like five times in the chest. It's awful. I hated playing this game. Let me just say right out loud here, I fucking hate this game, and I would never play it again because it is so unpleasant to play. 
It is just, I never get any enjoyment out of it. The combat is too brutal. Uh, it's too boring, by the way, I have to say. Like, once you kind of realize how you can sneak around human beings and kill them, like, it never evolves beyond that. Um, I mean, they tried to, to spice it up with the bloaters, but that's it. It's just, you either sneak around and stab zombies, or you sneak around and stab humans, and it's... There's no boss fights, really. I mean, the bloaters are kind of a boss fight, but you throw, like, a Molotov cocktail at them once and shoot them twice with a shotgun, and they die. Like, they're really easy. So I don't even know why they bothered to include them. Um, so mechanically, the game is not very interesting, especially when it comes to the puzzles. Oh, my God. Like, this is stuff that I would expect from, like, God of War 1. <laughs> you know, uh, by the way, Kratos is a crazy motherfucker, and I actually love him to death because he is so over-the-top crazy that he, he doesn't, he's so self-destructive on his quest for revenge that it is delightful to see how just absolutely mad he'll go. If you want to write a character that's awful in an, in an entertaining way, go play the first three God of War games because in his quest to take revenge on Zeus, Zeus of all people, at one point Kratos kills Poseidon. He like stabs his thumbs into his eyes and throws him off a cliff and it, it flooded it floods like the entire uh like nearby city um, that he throws Poseidon's body into and it kills god only knows how many people like they all drown and Kratos just sort of looks out and goes whatever <laughs> um but Joel just it's too close and personal for me to enjoy what Joel and Ellie do uh and I'm not even well I'll get to what Joel does at the end and that that escalates things to un just, uh, I'm trying to think of the word here. It's it, like unpalatable. It's so unpalatable. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's no bosses. The puzzles are generic, like pushing, you know, you, I can't tell you how many times you, you're in a water section and you have to get the same wooden pallet and uh, put Ellie on it and then take her over somewhere else. Like, I don't feel clever for doing these puzzles at all. It's basic pull a chain, push a dumpster, you know, climb on the dumpster sort of stuff. Yes, it's a little intuitive or it's a little uh, cinematic in that it doesn't give you specific uh, game markers. Like it doesn't say, oh, you know, here's the glowing uh, uh, dumpster that you're supposed to move. You do have to try to find it yourself. The button prompts on screen are very minimal. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of segments where, like, he's trying to lift a gate and you have to press the triangle button really fast because, you know, that's how you lift the grate. And again, just so basic like this is something that games are doing 10 years before the release of this game and uh it it never makes you feel clever it's just a it's really in the way uh and yet i say in the way i i don't want to play the actual combat stuff although there is uh, a couple points where you can pick up a brick and throw uh bricks at people and it stuns them and that reminded me a lot of uh, this one episode of the boondocks where <laughs> uncle ruckus throws a uh, a brick at martin luther king jr <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, if you haven't seen the Boondocks, Uncle Ruckus is like the best worst character ever. Thank God for Gary Anthony Williams. Uh, I believe that's his name. Uh, he he voices Uncle Ruckus, and I it's just so so wildly inappropriate and awful. And I I have to say that Gary. Uh, let me actually double check that that's his name. I don't want to miss say. Uh, I don't want to miss say his name. Uh, yeah, Gary Anthony Williams, uh, he is the, uh, or he was, rather, the, uh, the, the dad, Stevie's dad on Malcolm in the Middle, so you might have known him if you've, if you've ever watched Malcolm in the Middle, which is a pretty good show, um, who apparently he voiced Horace Warfield in StarCraft II Wings of Liberty, I don't know who that is, but there you go, <laughs> yeah, he did Uncle Ruckus, and I can't, I can't imagine him, 
Uh, can't imagine anyone else doing Uncle Ruckus. But anyway, I, whenever I pick up a brick and throw a brick at people, I always uh, uh, remember Uncle Ruckus's line where he says to uh, Martin Luther King Jr., of all people, you know, wait till I get another brick or, uh, or a cement block or one of them. Or no, it's uh, it. wait until I get another brick or a bit of something. I, I don't know. He <laughs> That's going to bother. That's so going to bother me. Wait until I get a brick or uh, another block, or one of them teeny tiny cement... I don't know. Go look up the clip on YouTube. It's really good. Um, it's just so ridiculous. I could I could do a whole video talking about how over-the-top Uncle Ruckus is and how he's supposed to represent the, mo- the worst aspects of the uh, of the black community where it's he's so self-hating and vicious and toxic. Um, you know, not all aspects of a community are positive, and Uncle Ruckus is the embodiment of everything negative, much like how Joel is the embodiment of everything negative uh, in a post-apocalyptic survivor mindset, where in order to survive, you have to do horrible, negative, awful, bad things, and, you know, I understand. I understand where they're trying to go with this, but uh, they cross the line. They they really do. Like in... in um. In the road by Cormac McCarthy, uh, they they also come acro- come across some cannibals and uh, they get chased out into the woods and it's you know man the the characters don't have names man has a gun to boy's face and he's ready to pull the trigger if the cannibals find them because he knows that he won't have enough bullets to to uh, save uh, his son from these cannibals and he doesn't want his son to be fucking eaten uh, fucked and eaten possibly. Um, so that's that's a really powerful moment, and nothing like that ever happens in The Last of Us. It is so afraid to get to that X-rated horribleness um, that happens. Like at, at one point, they uh, at one really powerful moment, they uh, Joel comes across a, a meat locker that has dead bodies hung up, and he finds like an inventory slip uh, that says, you know, like on this day uh, we got two hundred pounds of meat. This day we only got forty pounds of meat, and you're like, oh god, like oh man, they must have picked up like a kid or something, and then. Another day, it'll say, like, oh, big haul today, 5,000 pounds of meat. And you think to yourself, oh, my God, like, how many people is that? Jesus, like, if you have to kill that many people to survive, just fucking die already. Come on, like, I understand eating people to get out of a sticky situation, but if you are remaining in that sticky situation, you just don't have any moral high ground at all. I mean, I don't know. It's that's that's in the winter section where there's clearly no food anywhere. So I don't know. It's it's mm, 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 mm. Um, but even the road has that beaten out because when uh, man and boy come across the cannibal uh, pantry in in that book, uh, a lot of the well, all of the people that are being eaten are still alive. Like they're tied to mattresses and they're naked and they're covered in shit and they're moaning and they're like saying like "kill me, oh my god, Jesus Christ!" They're like blind because they've been stuck in the dark for so long and they're they're just being. Uh, ripped apart bit by bit to make themselves last a lot longer and it's it's so traumatic um going into that hell basement in the road and uh you know for how much uh the last of us cribs from other media i'm surprised that they didn't go that dark i think they should have i think that this game doesn't have that that teeth to it that uh, so many other bits of media have and uh, it kind of ends up just saying nothing um, and I guess now I should talk about the end, because eventually Joel and Ellie do meet up with the Fireflies again. They meet up with Marlene, who is the leader, and uh, it, it it comes down, the news comes out that uh, 
you know, they can develop a vaccine from Ellie's body, but they got to take out the 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 uh, the mushroom that's that's in her and it grows in her head, in her brain. So they need to basically rip out her brain, which I'm not a doctor, but it sounds like uh, might be fatal. <laughs> and Joel has the same idea and he breaks loose in another little bit of torture. He he overpowers the guard and he shoots him twice in the belly and then asks, "Where's the operating room?" And I don't know why the guy even bothers to say like Oh, top floor, because it's so clear that Joel's going to kill him no matter what. And he does. As soon as he says top floor, Joel just fucking shoots him in the head. Ugh. Like, come on, dude. Like, I get you're trying to quote, like, I almost said quote unquote. Uh, you're, you're trying to cover your bases or whatever, but, uh, mm, mm, mm. As soon as he shot that guard and I knew that he was going to be brutalizing the whole uh, Fireflies that we've been trying to get to, the whole game, the whole point of the game is to get Ellie there, and then we do, and it turns out it's for nothing, and we kill him, and I brutalize everybody, like, I blast him away, um, I fight my way to the operating room, and there's a doctor in there, and by the way, let us not forget that doctors are probably exceptionally rare things in this world, because there's no more medical school, there's barely any books anymore, so... Having somebody with the skill, or, you know, it's implied that he has the skill to do brain surgery, like, what are you doing? Like, just, like, all the guy does is hold, like, a scalpel towards Joel and says, like, I'm not letting you take the girl. And Joel just pulls out a shotgun. Well, I made Joel pull out a shotgun and blasts him in the chest. God. <laughs> and then he, uh, he takes Ellie out. He, he carries her out of the building. Um, and he goes down to the parking garage and there's Marlene, the leader, uh, waiting down waiting down there for us to uh, to come to come by now by the way marlene is not just some bitch like it's a, like the game initially like portrays her as this cold cynical bitch who's like willing to kill a child uh but it she tells joel like look i've known ellie since she was born her mother was like my best friend and uh this is harder for me than it ever could be for you you've only spent like a year with her i've spent like a decade with this kid but I'm willing to do what I need to do to save the world. Um, and you come across audio logs that say like, 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 like she's having like a mental breakdown. Like she's talking to Ellie's. Okay. She's not having a breakdown. She's having a moral crisis. Uh, she's talking on a recorder to Ellie's mother, Anna. And it's like, Anna, I'm sorry. Like your daughter will be with you soon. And it's really gut wrenching. And then Joel fucking shoots her. <laughs> like, like, she even puts her hands up. Like, she has a gun in her hands, and she puts her hands up and says, Look, I don't want to fight you. Just give her up. Like, she would want to sacrifice herself to save the world. You know that. And Joel goes, Yeah, I do. And bam, he shoots her. He loads Ellie into a car, and um, and he comes back. He comes back to Marlene, who's on the ground. She's been gut shot. She's bleeding out. And she clearly is no threat to anybody anymore. And she goes, Please, don't kill me. Just fucking don't kill me. And Joel stands over her and he goes, you just come looking for her anyway. Bam. Right in the fucking head. And I could not believe that. And and when Ellie does wake up, he's driving away uh, and she goes, what happened? And this is where it gets irredeemable. Oh, my God. Joel fucking says, well, turns out there was a lot of kids that are immune at the hospital, and they, they tried making a cure from them, and it didn't work, so they let you go. Turns out there is no cure. <laughs> Which is so bold. The balls on this guy to do that to Ellie is just so 
awful. And then at the in the epilogue, um, when they return to Tommy's uh, like uh, like residence, uh, Ellie asks him straight up, like Joel, you know, is what you said about the fireflies true? Because I've had friends die. You know, when I got bitten, my best friend Riley got bit, and we both said we were gonna die together. We were just gonna sort of wait until our minds went, and I'm still waiting for mine to go because Riley died, and then my other friends died. Like they've all gone, and you know, you need to tell me. You need to swear to me that what you said about the cure is true. Is it? And Joel says, I swear it's true. And then the game fucking ends. And I could not believe it. Like, I I am understanding. I am so sympathetic to games that are willing to go that far and to have a protagonist basically be the antagonist. But when it is so clear that this person's in the wrong and he's doing all these wrong things for no reason. I do not believe the chemistry between Ellie and Joel is so strong that he's willing to throw away the entire fucking world for this one person because he's killed so many people like they're nothing. And it's just like you really can't give up the one person you care about. Because uh, it's just if it was Henry and Sam, the two brothers who have an unbreakable bond, they've known each other their whole lives. You know, they're literally the only thing they have, you know, left in the world. They couldn't imagine the world without each other. I would totally buy it. I would 100% get on board and say, you know what? I, I don't agree with what Henry's doing here. I don't think it's right. It's clearly the wrong decision. But emotionally, I could at least understand you know, this bad decision because he literally can't imagine it. But Joel, man, Joel, you've known this person for barely a year. You don't talk to her about anything. You don't open yourself up emotionally whatsoever, ever. And you clearly have had enough time to get over your daughter's death. I understand that losing a child is traumatic and awful, but come on, you've been living. You've been steeped in trauma for so long. It's been 20 goddamn years. If it if this had happened like a year ago, I would have understood because the wound is still is still there. But twenty years, man, and and it's not like you know Ellie's gonna be killed for some stupid reason. You know, it's this is the best chance to make a vaccine, so nobody else has to go through this. <sighs> so it is just the game is unpleasant on a gameplay level, on a puzzle level on a narrative level, and it just, it lost me so hard. I hated this game. I don't understand why people seem to think that this is some sort of masterpiece, because it so clearly isn't. It's, it doesn't have the, it hasn't earned its dark ending at all, and it just comes off as bitter, cynical, nasty, for no reason. So I'm going to say shame on you, Neil Druckmann, uh, who's the writer, the main writer of this game. Shame on you for being a hack, for cribbing from other better media and doing it worse. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Like, here's the thing, guys. You remember last week when we were talking about uh, 28 Days Later, um, when, uh, when uh, what's his name, uh, Jim and Selena uh, met up with Hannah and Frank? Uh, the the, the father-daughter thing. That right there, that was a great example of taking our characters who've been traumatized and giving them a connection. When Frank and Hannah, Jim and Selena, all went to that supermarket and did their fun little romp, you know, bonding over buying chocolate and looking at fruit and and Frank giving uh, Jim, like, this lecture on what's really good scotch. You know, I that 
is the bond right there. That's what we needed. That's what I so badly wanted from Ellie and Joel, and it just never happens. And by the way, I have to say, it comes off as really ugly that uh, that Joel here is Mr. like Savior Denier. Like, where do you get off, man? Like, so many other characters are so better. I really wish that it had been Henry, Sam, and Ellie, you know, the three of them going out in this journey, because Joel just feels like a nobody. He feels like we're going with any stupid fucking bandit it's awful Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. so it's just i have i i really don't understand where where this game gets off where the fans get off on saying this is like the masterpiece game that will be thought about for years to come and will be analyzed by philosophers 20 years from now no it's not. It's shit. It's shit. It's shit. And by the way, I've heard that the sequel game, The Last of Us Part Two, is just as shit. Uh, in that one, I believe Joel dies. Boo fucking who? And uh, Ellie is the main uh, protagonist there, fully stepping into the psychotic shoes of Joel. And uh, I believe the main antagonist is a trans person named Abby Anderson. Um, and I don't know how that portrayal is. Like, that... I okay so like I'm glad that there's more trans representation but I don't know I don't trust this this game and their the team to write a nuanced uh a trans character. I mean they can barely fucking write a nuanced black character. It's just oh man, like Henry and Sam are black, uh Marlene is black um and it's just they're so much better but they're portrayed so badly. Like Henry Henry and Sam are the best, but Marlene is sort of this... Like, I don't know what the game wants me to do with her. Like, is am I supposed to believe she's doing the wrong thing? Be, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's... Mm. Like, there's times where I want to give them credit, but I don't know if it's... If it's how it relates to Joel and what he does. Like, is Joel just supposed to be an evil person? I guess so, but I don't fully believe that because they go through all the trouble of humanizing him to a certain degree, but they don't go all the way, and it just comes off as really misshapen and lumpy and just awful. So I've said awful a lot here, I'm sorry, but that's how I feel about it. If I had to give this game a rating, I would give it a 4 out of 10 at the best, at, at my most generous 4 out of 10. Uh, by the way, I played this game on hard mode. Uh, it had like five different difficulties, uh, two of which were above hard mode, like Survivor and Grounded, which I presume is just you get bit and you insta-die or you get shot and you insta-die. Pardon me, insta-die. So, uh, that didn't sound very fun. And honestly, even at an easier difficulty, it wouldn't be very fun. Um, you have enough ammo to basically Rambo your way through the game. And, uh, it's, it's just... Do I find it interesting and funny to just blast people away? Not really. Not when they're like this. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'll play The Last of Us Part Two. I wouldn't if it was up to me, but I might... Uh, I did request that I would review it, uh, before I even played The Last of Us, I requested, um, that I review it for, uh, for an art and literature magazine that I, uh, work for, uh, I said, hey, why don't we, uh, we're breaking into video game reviews, and The Last of Us 2 was kind of the biggest game of last year, and I've heard it's really controversial, some people say it's, like, the best game of the year, it actually won Game of the Year award, and, uh, I'm, uh, now I'm really interested to see if it fucking deserves it, and, I don't think it should. Fuck the whole content. Like, let's just completely ignore the story and all that. The developer, Naughty Dog, made its team go through crunch 
crunch time, which if you don't know, is a period of time where the employees, I believe they're salaried employees, have to work like a hundred hour weeks, like, like 12 hours a day, if not more. And that's fucking abuse, man. That is just like, they barely even give them time to go home and just eat and sleep and they immediately have to come back home to work. There is no excuse for that. That is an awful practice. That is poor time management. Fuck you, naughty dog. Um, they had to do a lot of crunch to, to get The Last of Us Part 2 out, and uh, any studio that does that does not deserve the Game of the Year award, because the product doesn't matter at that point if you're abusing your staff. <sighs> so, I, I really, on moral principle, don't want to play The Last of Us Part 2, but I've kind of already set the dominoes in motion, and uh, if it does come down, I will review it for the uh, Art and Literature magazine. I'll come back and review it uh, here on the, on the podcast, but uh, I don't have high hopes at all. Because where they do have some nuance, it is just wasted, um, and it's it's not fun. There's no interesting bosses. There's no interesting puzzles. Uh, the best you could say is it's got really cool giraffe graphics. Because <laughs> at one point you like pet a giraffe, which is kind of this serene, magical moment. But even that's super um, super short. Actually, right after the giraffe thing, before you even get to the fireflies, at one point, Joel, here you go, this is what I was going to bring up earlier, Joel said, to, says to Ellie, like, hey, you know, before we get to the, to the fireflies, we don't have to do this. Like, we can just go home and, you know, hang out with my brother Tommy. And she goes, what the fuck is wrong with you, Joel? After everything we've done, after all the people we've killed, after I hacked David's face off, you're saying that it just doesn't matter and we can go home? Fuck that. Ugh, and that obviously is why Joel did not tell Ellie the truth, because Ellie would have said, Joel, you're a shitty person, um, and he is, and he's not even a consistently shitty person, because remember, back when he was talking to Tommy, and he was trying to hand off Ellie to Tommy, he said, look, I'm handing you the key to the fucking human race, and it's like he forgot about it. What happened to you, Joel? Do you not understand the implications of it? Do you have such contempt for the whole rest of the world that you're willing to throw it all away for one person? I guess you are. And I don't find that believable. I don't find that relatable. I just find that to be in poor taste and you're a shitty protagonist and I wish you had died and uh, we had gotten to see somebody else, anybody else, even Bill uh, as the main leader person. Um... So I don't know what the fuck you were thinking, Neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann, you you fucking hack. My God, why? Ugh. So I don't normally dump on on the creators this much, but when you are this this unoriginal and this shit at doing an unoriginal concept, you've earned some some drumming up. You know, some 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 spankings on the butt, and uh, and I hope that I've delivered that with this podcast, because it uh, it really does deserve it. I, I can't really say much else. It, um, it wants to be like Metal Gear Solid so bad, but it just can't. It, it really should never be, and uh, I, I don't know why some people consider Joel like an amazing protagonist, because he's not. He's not even a good antagonist. He's not evil enough to be an antagonist. He's not good enough to be a protagonist. He's just a dude who does shitty things for no reason. And it's stupid. And it's stupid that they made you go 20 years in the future when he should be arced out all the way. And it's stupid that they make Ellie a worse character as she goes because she gets so jaded from Joel and all the things she has to do. So it's not her influencing Joel in a positive way. It's the other way around. My God. 
And even the flow of the game is really fucked up because most of the game, like half of it, is taking place in summer. And the second half is just a, a quick hodgepodge of fall, winter, and spring. Like, just to put it in perspective here, I've got the, uh, I've got the uh, plot synopsis here. Like, the game begins in summer when you're in uh, Boston and you have to go through the whole tutorial with Tess. You have to meet up with Ellie. Uh, you, you lose track of... Uh, oh, yeah, Tess gets bitten. Uh, you run away. You meet up with Henry. Uh, oh, yeah, you meet up with Bill. <laughs> you meet up with Bill and then Henry. And then Henry shoots himself. Bam, fall. I didn't mean to say bam right there. That's awful. Um... Uh, Boosh, uh, yeah, Boosh, fall, then it just goes to Tommy, you meet up with Tommy, uh, then you go to the University of Colorado really quick, Joel gets impaled on a beam, then it cuts to winter where Ellie's taking care of him and herself, she gets assaulted by the cannibals, um, and David, uh, she does have this kind of cool badass moment where she does break his finger, uh, when he's creeping on her, which, uh, is nice, and then she murders him, and Boosh it's off to spring, and then all you do in spring is just hang out with some giraffes, assault Marlene for no reason, and then Boosh, you're in the, you're in the epilogue, so it, uh, it is so lopsided in so many ways, and I have to say, even though it is pretty in some areas, a lot of the time you're just wandering around these super brown, nondescript, shitty, gross environments, um, you know, warehouses or office buildings or whatever, uh, or you have to go into, you know, big, uh, water sections, which aren't very interesting, uh, super based, like, again, Metal Gear Solid did that back in 2003, so I don't really understand why people say this is like, a like a titan of innovation or anything, it really isn't, um, it just takes concepts that we've seen before and does them worse, so, I, I, this is like one of those things where I, it feels like I'm living in a, in a, in a, in a, like an alternate reality from everyone else. Like, did I play the same thing as you? Uh, before I go, I actually want to see what The Last of Us looked like on the PlayStation 3. Um, da, 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 I don't know if the screenshots will show it here. Ooh, yeah, okay. That's, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little uglier, a little muddier. The textures aren't nearly as interesting, but uh, it looks about the same. Okay, actually, no, that looks kind of really really bad. Yikes. Uh, okay, I guess then I can't even really give too much of a credit for uh, for remastering it. Um, maybe you should have fucking remastered the, the story, guys. Maybe maybe you're not the masterpiece Oscar bait writers that uh, that you think you are. Nasty. I'm so sorry that the, the, the interesting cordyceps zombie thing got wasted on these characters. How nasty. Um, I was expecting, like, there to be a super big, like, gigantic zombie. A huge, like, um... Uh, like uh, mushroom monster for you to uh, like use all of your weapons on. I by the end of the game, I had way more uh, ammunition and uh, and materials than I needed. I could have brutalized everybody way more, and I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't. And uh, you know, it's it's just so unpleasant. And I'll never play this game again, ever, ever, ever. And I'm sorry that I even re-recorded this. Although it is way better. I got way more fired up this time, and it, it's it's a better uh, listen. I can already tell. Um, oh. You know what, I think I'll end this by saying that if you want to see how a game like this can be done well, then I would highly recommend you check out The Walking Dead, um, The Walking Dead video game with, uh, uh, what's, what are their names, Lee and Clementine uh, are the main two leads in there. That is actually a game that has some really good uh, black representation in there because Lee is our main uh, black uh, protagonist. Uh, it's set in Georgia. And he has to take care of Clementine, who is a very scared little girl, and we have to see her grow and develop. And she is way more innocent and, uh, like, 
wonderful of a person than Ellie ever is. Um, although she is a little bit less talkative. Uh, when was the when was this game released? When was it released? The Last of or The Walking Dead? Blah 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 blah. It's kind of weird. The Walking Dead video game was released in uh, like a like a episodic sort of pack. Um, it's not telling me the year. What year was it? Uh, come on. What? Come on. Oh, it was 2012. So one year before The Last of Us. Oh, man. Like, yeah. It, uh, mm, 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 mm. It's so much better. Uh, it's got a lot better moral options uh, where you don't have to be a horrible asshole, but you can if you want to. Um, although the, the game developers for The Walking Dead, tell, Telltale Games, uh, is also a problematic studio these days because they also submit their... Uh, or subject their employees to crunch time and poor management. And I think they actually, uh, they went bankrupt and then came back or something. I don't know. It's a giant shit show. I wouldn't play the rest of the Walking Dead games. Uh, I've only played the first one, the first series with Lee and Clementine. Uh, eventually as the games go on, like Clementine grows up and kind of becomes her own adult character who has to look after another character. Uh, but eh, you don't really need it. It's just a, a, uh, a, uh, a rehash of the first game, but it does have way more of an emotional connection. When I played the Walking Dead uh, video game, it actually was a somewhat moving experience. It wasn't like tear-jerk. I mean, it, maybe, uh, but there were more shocking cannibal elements. There were more uh, harder hits, uh, way more antagonistic characters that paired off against the protagonist really well. Um, so yeah, if uh, at the end of the day, I would have to say, if you have the opportunity to play The Walking Dead or The Last of Us, you should definitely go with The Walking Dead because it is just so much better in every way. Um, and now I have to say, oh, and in that game, the white guy does die first. Uh, sometimes I say the last, the, the white guy dies last, but I always mean first. Sometimes I just flub it. Uh, but in the walking dead, uh, a white guy does die first because you're being transported by a cop and he gets run off the road by a, uh, by a zombie that he almost hits and he dies and turns into a zombie. Uh, and that, by the way, that world is a lot darker because when you die, it doesn't even matter if you've been bitten, like you just turn into a zombie. Like it's almost like a switch has been turned, um, where if you just, if you just naturally sort of die, uh, you turn into a zombie, which means that like, there's no hope anymore. Like eventually there will be nothing but zombies. Um, whereas, whereas the last of us just feels like we should have dealt with this problem already. It's been 20 years. How are you, have you not sorted this out already or died? Whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my, my last thoughts about it. Uh, and as for, uh, the last of us, uh, it's not really the white guy dies first. It's like a little girl dies first, um, little white girl. Uh, although she does see a lot of other people die, so it's it's really muddy. Um, yeah, and I don't really have any interest in playing the DLC Left Behind, which I think is uh, I think that tells the story of like when Ellie was first bitten with her best friend Riley. Uh, Ellie, by the way, I believe in the second game is. Uh, it identifies as a lesbian. Uh, I don't know why it's identifies. That's her orientation. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm so used to saying it identifies for like gender pronoun stuff. Uh, but no, she is a lesbian in the second game. And I'd be interested to see how that pairs with the trans uh, character who is a trans woman. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. I don't really know. Uh, I've, I've heard some really toxic, awful things said about that, that they would even, you know... I mean, obviously, the gamers are going to have a problem with any trans representation in any video games uh, because the gamers are just horrible uh, shit goblins. But I don't know. Maybe it could be an okay representation. I don't think so. But eh, 
I'm holding out the faintest little bit of hope. Not that it matters. Again, the whole the whole game has been uh, has been tarnished by the by the unforgivable crunch uh, practice. The video game industry needs to unionize so fucking fast. Like like how the film industry does. How they've got a really good uh, union where if it doesn't really matter like when the movie needs to come out, you don't get to do that to your employees. They get lunch breaks. They get to have paid time off. You know, they the video game industry needs something like that. Otherwise, we're going to see uh, things like this happen again and again and again because unrestrained capitalism forces these products to be as good as possible. And in order to do that, they force um, abusive standards on their employees because the bottom line is money. And without a union to protect these people, uh, they they are just going to get fucking destroyed. And it is gross. And I'm sorry that I even played this game. Four out of ten at best. Uh, at worst, maybe a two. Um, two points for looking nice and having a few kind of quirky, funny lines, but that's about it. Uh, so this one was just horrible all the way through. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And I think I've said all I need to here. <laughs> uh, let's see, what should I do for next week? I think I'll probably try to reward myself with something a lot nicer. Maybe like, uh, the Blair Witch Project, which was, uh, which, is, which <laughs> was done with a very small crew, but, uh, was done to quite excellent effect, um... Yeah, maybe that's what I should do. I should pivot away from these giant studios and just focus on something that was uh, produced by just like a little handful of people. And yet it became such a, a cultural touchstone uh, for an entire generation of of uh, filmmakers. Or maybe I should go even b before uh, The Blair Witch Project and I should watch uh, The Last Broadcast, which did what The Blair Witch Project did with the found footage stuff, uh, I think a whole year earlier. So... I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I'll have to come back and do some thinking, but at least I don't have to play this fucking shit anymore. I might one day for stream just to demonstrate how uh, how awful it is, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, this has been an overly long rant. I'm trying really hard to keep these under an hour, but uh, it doesn't seem to be working out. I didn't even have a script. I didn't even have notes or anything. I just completely riffed on this thing. All I had here is just the Wikipedia page to go off of to keep, to keep names straight. Um... But this was this was much better. Okay. Anyway, guys, I'll I'll let you go. So sorry. <laughs> uh just just lay back and think of giraffes. You know, that's I'm probably gonna listen to this uh or a similar pod, prod, ugh, podcast while I'm trying to go to sleep. Do you guys ever do that? You ever listen to a podcast while you're trying to go to sleep? I don't know why I'm asking. Fuck it. Uh, if you want to answer this question, find my social media page at uh, Jared White Seven at Twitter. Uh, Jared J A R R E D White Seven at Twitter. Anyway, I'll let you guys go. Ta-ta for now. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you in the next video. Enjoy. Er, video? What am I saying? God, I just need to go. Bye. I, my brain. My brain is melted. Are there are there mushrooms in there already? They're ruining my life. <laughs> Stan, don't you think you were well, a little hard on him? You see that crap? All that horror crap? Things coming out of crates and eating people? Dead people coming back to life? people turning into weeds, for Christ's sake. Well, yes, I did, but I... Well, you want them reading that stuff? Well, no, but... All right, then. I took care of it. That's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers.